Hi, I'm Mel. And I'm Sass. And you're listening to The Last Stretch, a sports podcast. We are back in studio, Mel and Saffs. How's it going, Mel? <laughs> it's going great. I am like so fired up because of the Women's World Cup. Oh, yeah. I What an empowering tournament. I oh mean, let's be real. God. Every female tournament, tournament with women athletes, you just feel so empowered, so fired up. It's and, great. you know, I want this momentum to continue. And therefore, I will be trying to watch. These yeah. The NWSL, we did a quiz on SB Nation that says that both of us should be Rain FC fans. So here we are. Tacoma, Washington, here we come. (laughs) We are new (laughs) fans. I mean, I've always loved soccer. I played it, you know, competitively up until I went to college. And I've always loved the World Cup. But the most inspiring thing is seeing sort of the news take on these incredible stories. Obviously, there's a lot of negativity, and I'm going to ignore that. Because there's always going to be that when it comes so much to women's sport. But there's yeah. so much positivity out there. Exactly. And seeing the world rally around the U.S. women's soccer team. But every other team, you know, I was obviously a little bit disappointed. The Canadian team did not do as well as, you know, I had expected. But, hey, there's always room for improvement. And as a whole sport and as, like, a professional women's hockey player, yeah. um, it's inspiring to see that maybe we could all come together and see a viable future for these athletes. And... We all deserve it, and they deserve it to continue to have the support. So Mm -hmm. I'm really hoping that, you know, some of these big investors that have been very active on Twitter, like, yay, women's national team, well, let's put your money where your mouth is, and let's take it to action. So I am feeling very inspired by the women's And it's all about that visibility. If you could see them, you'll know about them. If you see them, you could be them, and then people know about it. Yeah, it's time to take action, and today we had a great talk uh, with Julie Yu, who is an acupuncturist and massage therapist at Atelier Palestra. Now, she's not very involved in soccer, but she is involved with another sport that we really like, hockey. Of course, she's involved with a ton of athletes, and we'll give you a hint, House of Pain is her nickname, and she is very painful, but... She teaches us a little bit about how acupuncture and massage therapy is important in not only an athlete, but everyday people. It's a part of your healthy lifestyle. So I hope you guys enjoy the show because it was a really great learning experience for myself and Safs, and we hope you learned something too. My name is Julie Yu Hen. People know me more as Julie Yu slash House of Pain, my, my favorite nickname. <laughs> and I'm a sports acupuncturist and a sports massage therapist. House of Pain. That's the first That's the first time I've heard that associated with you. Yes. Yeah, that's a uh, thank you, Carolyn Willett, for giving me that name. <laughs> now all of Hockey Canada calls me that. That <laughs> name has stuck. <laughs> and now after this podcast, you'll be known as House of Pain. The House of Pain. <laughs> Because I think that is, people don't know, massage is not always pleasant. Uh-uh. <laughs> especially sports massage and especially with athletes because we know athletes can take more. So we do tend to go, if we can push and actually get the results faster, we will. And usually athletes give us permission to do it, which is why I find it more interesting to work with athletes. Right. And so you do acupuncture and massage therapy in the sports context. What, uh, you know, what inspired you to work in sports? Actually, it was a funny story. Went back like 20 years back. I was actually in the fashion industry. I hated it, hated it with passion. The people were so mean. I felt like, you know, I'm more of a people person, and this whole aspect, you know, I, my life was very frustrating. I actually went to see a massage therapist because I was so stressed at the time. And when I went to see this guy, this guy was. 20 years ago, there was no sports massage in Montreal, really. There was no program in sports massage. It was not being taught. There was no standards. 
so what happened is this guy was the first, uh, one of the first sports massage therapists in INS at the National Sports Institute. I actually happened coincidentally to go to get a massage from him. Out of chatting with him, and I'm coming to see him a few times, he says, I think you've got what it takes. So if you want me to test you, I'll test and I'll tell you if you have the potential for it and I can train you, which is basically what happened. So since I was so angry at my fashion design work, I went to see him every weekend and I spent every weekend, it was back in the day, MAA Sports Club. So I was spending every weekend at MAA just watching him work and then decided like, okay, that's it. I'm going for a certification. (laughs) That's incredible. I did not know... You worked into the fashion industry. I didn't know any of your background, but that's amazing that, you know, you could just meet an inspirational person and that could change the trajectory of your Mm -hmm. life. That's incredible. Quick question for everyone. Could you just explain what massage therapy is? In a gross context, okay. It's basically working soft tissue, usually muscles, where like muscle specialists to release and give relaxation. Usually muscles build tension over time, whether it's in a sitting position at a desk or from sports or whichever. And once in a while, it's like you want, you know, instead of stretching, always tell people, if you don't have the patience to stretch, then fine, just come to us and we'll do it for you. <laughs> I should probably I go should see you. Come and see you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the worst Suddenly, hmm, got you thinking, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, make an appointment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right after this episode. Okay, so you do massage therapy and you also do acupuncture. And I think, you know, everybody knows two things about acupuncture. Uh, needles and the saying that goes, acupuncture works for everything. Uh, could you maybe elaborate on that? What exactly does, you know, what, what does acupuncture actually do for one's body? Okay, so acupuncture is like an ancient, like 5,000-year-old medicine that existed in China. It's basically the use of points on the body which basically refer to the meridians but the meridians is like I always explain it in layman's terms to make everybody understand you know how you have the electrician that fixes the house yes and basically you have electricity you have one plug here and you have the central thing where you can switch off and every all the lights in the house switch off and the same thing you can reset and then just get all your things working yeah I think of acupuncture I see as my role as I'm at the electrician of the body so if there's little things that are off, I can re-trigger, reset, and re-put things back. Especially, like I see myself like a specialist of the nervous system. Mm-hmm. Since everything in the body, when it comes to pain, when it comes to sometimes stress and anxiety and all this, and a lot of the issues we have today all linked to stress and anxiety, we actually can reset that. So it works very general because all our symptoms all linked at the end of the day to our nervous system. Yeah, and I, I believe a lot of people forget uh, the important role that the nervous system plays in. We Like when we were speaking with a sports psychologist, um, we were also t- saying how people often forget how important the brain is and mm-hmm. focus is. So having, you know, someone like yourself helping address those issues could be really advantageous and it's often neglected. I know I personally always neglect, um, you know, the sports psych of my sports or even, like you said, stretching. Like, you, you know how little I came to, to treatment. <laughs> Julie's like, yeah, I know, Mel. I would only come when I was like, okay, I've had a twitch in my back for like a month. Uh, <laughs> and they'd be like, why are you coming now? <laughs> usually that's the problem we get in clinic when people come like it's already too late right yeah i know i'm not being very proactive (laughs) yeah we get that so not to get you to boast and brag a bit but why don't you tell us some of the athletes you work with and what sort of your practice looks like what kind of people are you helping every day so we love in the clinic, so that's why when we opened the clinic in Atelier Palestra, my partner also works in sports. So all of us, most of my therapists, 80% of, of us, work with professional sports team, and that's what brought us together, and that was the idea of the clinic. So we enjoy working in the sports world because it's more dynamic, and you can push, you know, you can always push your limits. The mm-hmm. athletes are constantly pushing their limits, so we get more play, and the feedback is awesome. So... Then basically, um, you know, it's like uh, 
what we the type of athletes we have the wrestling team national wrestling team we've got hockey of course uh we get people from the ufc uh mixed martial arts we've got the boxing guys we've got the um, uh wrestling guys i said we've got some fences we've got triathletes uh swimmers and then oh circus circus is one interesting i get a lot of the circus students and people from Cirque du Soleil too wow <laughs> that's cool i would like to meet them <laughs> yeah they, Just letting you know. yesterday we had one come in and there was a wrestler who was there and she saw the body on the girl from the Cirque du Soleil. She goes, oh my God, what does she do? <laughs> <laughs> they are incredible athletes. They, they might be the most talented. That and rugby players, mm-hmm. I find incredible athletes. So you have such a big range of different athletes. And, you know, in this podcast, we always talk, how do you treat different athletes? Like, do you have the same approach for each athlete as far as sport? Like, on hockey, are you working more, you know, groins and lower half? Exactly. So knowing the sport, it helps. Like as a therapist, you have to analyze. The more you know the sport, the more you know where to just go aim for. But even if we didn't know the sport, if you do your evaluation, you ask the question, you will figure it out anyways. Mm-hmm. But uh, definitely it's like a shortcut. Like if I've been working with hockey for so long, I know as soon as somebody comes up, you do not leave a hockey athlete leaving without having worked their legs and their quads, <laughs> their hamstrings <laughs> and their groins. Oh, and the most painful part <laughs> has the pain. That's where the name comes from. <laughs> exactly. The minute I saw getting into the groin area and working on the adductors, I was like, uh-oh. I was like, that's it. And it's very interesting because, like, oftentimes, you know, when I've come, you know, Cedric's is like, I'm going to work your lower half. And it, I don't necessarily feel tight down there, but it's only upon, like, getting treated that I realized that I was. So, when when an athlete comes in and they're they're kind of like oh, I feel fine, you know, are you addressing? Um, do you ask them about what they want to get treated, or are you just like we should look into these things? How does that a conversation start between an athlete and yourself? Usually, we do ask them what's your priority. So normally in sports massage, the context is different. So working like at an arena, like right before a game, we usually don't have much time. Sometimes we got fifteen minutes, half an hour max. So we are limited on time. So usually we'll take priority. There's always, there's always, especially with an athlete, there's always one thing that's a little weakness. Oh, it's more my legs. Oh, it's more my upper body. We'll concentrate on that for sure when we're limited in time. In clinic, when I do have one full hour, then I'll do a full evaluation of the whole body. I will take a look and maybe spend more time on the area that needs more attention. But definitely, uh, you know, like, Knowing the sports, like in hockey, for example, I know even if the person says, oh, my shoulder, I will still take a look at the legs because there would be things that the athlete won't necessarily feel at the moment. Mm -hmm. Because what happens is, you know, that saying that, oh, you're hurting here. Somebody gives you a slap. You suddenly only feel the slap and you forget about your pain. The nervous system, (laughs) it's like you can't feel everything. The brain is wired to protect us meaning it cannot feel all the aches that the body has. So it will select the main issue or like the the more acute pain. So it will actually forget the rest. So it's up to us as therapists knowing that through palpation and our testing to find out like you also have this and yours. Because if I fix only the thing that the athlete is complaining about, let's say it's only the right shoulder. I fix the right shoulder. Then they come back to me the week after and said, oh, now it's my left shoulder. Yeah. Sometimes not that the left shoulder is new. It was always there. It's just that the right shoulder dominated. Yeah, like the brain has prioritized, like you said, the most acute or, or higher. So a good, yeah, a good therapist will check everything okay. and will fix all of it. So that's like, oh, why are you working a lot of times? Like, well, it's only my right. Why are you working my left? Because I feel the tension in the left. Don't worry. You don't feel it now. But at least you won't feel it next week either. Obviously, you've worked, you work in a clinical, in a clinic setting where, you know, it's more one-on-one with your athletes and whatnot. And then you've worked in a team setting where not only are you dealing with athletes, but you're also dealing with other colleagues, other specialists and whatnot. How does it, how do you manage, you know, like juggling all those tasks? Because I can imagine that's a lot of coordination and communication amongst yourselves. Yeah. Um, you, you mean like in a, 
like working in a team setting, like with other therapists. Yeah, because you have to make sure, I'm assuming if you have an athlete, okay, well, this person, the doctor said this, so you have to do this, but it's just, you know, mm-hmm. you have to make, a, you have to coordinate, I feel like, a lot more in that setting. So, yeah, it's more coordination, but also if it's clearly stated from the beginning, like working with Hockey Canada, while I love working with them, it was a good learning experience, it's the organization. It takes a lot of logistics and there's always a line of communication. Like we know, like, because if, if let's say I detected something on the athlete, the other person detected something else and then everybody's like, no, it has this. And you go to the coach, like, no, the person have a knee problem. It's like, it becomes messy. Mm-hmm. The the medical team is comprised like for, for Hockey Canada of five people. So we are the like mental coach, massage therapist, athletic therapist, or physiotherapist, the doctor, the strength and conditioning coach. We have our own meetings. If there's anything that comes up specifically, we have time to mention among us and the doctor is the one who makes the final decision. Right. So there's always a lead in every group. If you organize it this way, then there's no, you know, like miscommunications and everything is clear. So we know where we're heading. Or if, is that issue important enough? Can you just resolve this on your own? Yes, we'll take care of it. Or is this something that we have to heighten and, uh, you know, like uh, discuss this more more in detail? Is that something we need to address with the coach? You know, then we make the decision. If it's something minor we can fix, we fix right away. Yeah, kind of have like, a panel because the athlete's not always going to advocate for themselves because there is a lot of trust in all your staff. So if you're you're telling me, like, take it easy on the leg and then, my strength and condition coach is like run these sprints you're not necessarily going to be like hey I was told to take it easy like yeah. so it's good that to know that there is this open communication and sort of this panel to advocate for the health of the athlete yeah in an ideal setting that's how it should work <laughs> yeah of course we know not every organization or institute <laughs> excels <laughs> <Whoops. What? laughs> so this uh, is what we dream of having everywhere but of course right that yeah. sometimes it's hard to like sometimes like here I'm working in a clinic and I know some like we have an athlete but she's at university someplace else and she has her own coach on the other side it has to be that all the the therapists working with that athlete are willing to you know like discuss and open conversations and email but even this it takes time Mm -hmm. sometimes I want to coordinate the work on one specific patient but then you know, I try to send emails to the physiotherapist that I've never met. I said, by the way, I'm working on this person. And sometimes you never get an answer and you just have to live with that. And you make, you know, you try to do your best. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, you could only put in, you know, your end of the work and then hopefully, uh, hopefully the other end else. is following through. Yeah. As a funny story, like a lot of the times that I've tried to send email to another therapist that I don't know, I said, okay, to coordinate the work. I ended up receiving a job offer. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That's a great system. (laughs) I said, I won't be lacking jobs if ever I close the clinic. Well, House of Pain is really sought after. I think you you should just rename uh, (laughs) House of Pain. I think I was going to put a sign just in front of my door, my treatment room, House of Pain. <laughs> you should. That Way to intimidate every athlete walking through that door. <laughs> so, okay, since we're on the topic of pain, like, people sometimes don't understand why an athlete might want to go through something that's painful. So, um, why don't you break down what you're exactly doing in, in treatment? Because if, if someone out there hasn't had one, they don't understand, you know, what it might feel like. And talk about the benefits of the pain sort of like why why do we want to put ourselves through that okay so you want to know more regarding the acupuncture or the massage let's go massage to start since that's okay more painful (laughs) (laughs) so people always worried about the pain right they always say well oh i've been to a massage and you know i've been in pain for two days i'm scared of coming so I find it's the job of the massage therapist. Like I always explain, well, with my reputation, house of pain, and mostly my, my the clients who come to see me are mostly through word of mouth. Usually they already know what I'm about, so I have no surprise. But if it's somebody new just out of nowhere just comes to me, I have to explain to them. It's like, listen, let me just take five minutes. I'm going to palpate the whole body, feel what you have, listen to what your problems and your complaints are. And then basically it's like, okay, I feel certain tensions, I feel this. So you have to understand one thing. It's like the same thing if you go for a workout, you haven't worked out in a long time and you work out for the first time, like you always feel sore for two days. So a sports massage and a therapeutic massage is a bit of the same. So it's as if there's muscles in your body that's been 
you know, like not stretched and not worked on for so long. It's been so stiff that it's like seized up in this position. I need to break that if I want you to move. So it's, it might hurt a bit. So as far as pain, usually the client is free to say, like they have to speak out. Clients should not be afraid to speak out if they find the massage is too strong for them to handle. Yeah. Because it gets to a point where it's so painful that you start clenching. If you start like stiffening up because they're, like, mm-hmm. you're protecting yourself, it goes against the treatment. Yeah. So you don't get any results anyway. So sometimes it's just that measurement, you know, it's that balance between knowing just to push enough to, to break that level of comfort and move forward and yet not causing enough pain so the person doesn't tense up and that don't leave the room with a very negative feeling. Yeah. So can you feel, Julie, when if, if a client is tensing up? Yeah. So, Usually, so you can yes. tell and you'll be like, maybe like you'll ease up or you'll ask them to try and relax. Yeah. Okay. And sometimes if let's say, <laughs> like with a lot of the hockey players, sometimes when I get into the legs <laughs> and I see them, <laughs> I'm like, okay, just try to keep the legs relaxed. I know up until a certain amount of tension, I'm actually moving more forward than I'm moving backward because the person's tensing up. If I can feel that, I can still move forward. Sometimes I will push the limit, okay. right? But this comes with time. As years go by, I start knowing just when I can still push. Yeah. <laughs> and de- and sometimes you know these people well enough, the more you're used to one client, like you know their body well, it's like, oh, I know I can get further with you, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes I'm working with the legs, but because they're tensing up, I see their shoulders, you know, like they tense up the shoulder, I'm like, oh, it's okay, I can relax the shoulders after. So yeah. it's okay, as long as the legs is relaxed while I'm working on the legs. At okay. least as the part of the muscles I'm working on is properly relaxed so I can actually do my job. That makes sense. So then I don't mind if there's some tension someplace else. <laughs> you don't mind applying the House of Pain? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's why my name, House of Pain. <laughs> that's how I got the name. <laughs> uh, well, and so how would it work for acupuncture in that sense too? So I actually... Why I went into acupuncture was interesting because it actually is less painful, the acupuncture, than it is with a massage. So mm-hmm. people are t- people are so afraid because they have the idea of like, oh my God, yeah. needles, and they're terrified. Yeah, it's a misconception. I, yeah. yeah, it's a misconception. The, the needles always say, you know, you're going to beg for the needles after I've gone through your tension spots with my hand. I said, uh, the, the needle, it, it's true, like, because think of the massage, like, for me to release that knot, like, let's say in the quads, mm-hmm. I have to push in, sometimes I'm using elbows, you know, I'm using my whole body weight on there, so, and I'm using and I'm massaging for, like, 15 minutes, I'm pressing on that t- pressure point, whereas the needle, you just feel it for that half millisecond that I just put the needle in, mm-hmm. once it's in, that's it, you relax, I'll put the tense, the uh, electrostimulation, and the rest of the time you sleep for 15 minutes and I come back after 15 minutes, the muscles are relaxed. I would have fought with it for 15 minutes by hand. <laughs> so that's all I'm like, so much easier. So in that case, you know, when would you recommend acupuncture over massage therapy or vice versa? Okay, that's a good question. So the thing with acupuncture, to me, acupuncture works much more. So the work that I'm doing with massage, I can do the same, get the same results with acupuncture. But acupuncture adds the the... The advantages is, that's it. When it comes to inflammation, every mm-hmm. time the pain is too acute, you know, when somebody is too much in pain, you try to even touch them, they jump. Yeah. So then the acupuncture is best in acute phases. So when the person is in inflammation, when the person is in pain, you know, like uh, usually in these phases, a lot of therapists says, I can't work on you right now. Take your anti-inflammatory, uh, go ice, and then uh, come back in one week after the inflammation is down. With acupuncture, I'm like, I'll take you right away. I'll get the inflammation down right now. Okay. This way, you can do the massage after, you know? And the acupuncture, also the fact, like we were saying, it works on the nervous system. In a lot of these cases, the person is under stress. Mm-hmm. I can calm them down. I can help them sleep. I can help them rest. I can boost their energy. Right. The rest, it basically accelerates everything, which is why, like, between the two, I've been focusing more on the acupuncture because I've had six amazing sports uh, massage therapists. Mm-hmm. I just start with the acupuncture. Once they get to a point that's like, okay, now it's okay. I'm 80% better. Good. Now do the rest in massage. Enjoy your nice massage, you know? I was going to ask as well because a lot of people haven't had acupuncture. So mm-hmm. you often work on the opposite sides of where the pain is. Am I correct? Uh, not necessarily. There's, so acupuncture has a lot of techniques. 
Okay. So the the working the opposite side is one weight, one type of technique called the balancing technique. And this I use mostly, I like me personally because every acupuncturist have their own favorite uh, ways of, of working. My preferred way is actually with electrostimulation. So usually, but the problem with electrostimulation, I need more time. I usually need at least 30 minutes to 45 minutes to get the work done in one muscle. Okay. Whereas the, the working the opposite side, control lateral, I can get the results within um, five, 10 minutes. Okay. And it takes, which is why this is the technique we favor when we are at the arena working, when we only have 15 minutes, that's the technique we use. Uh, sometimes I find it requires more sessions. Me personally, from my test from clinics, I notice that I require at least four, five, six sessions to get the results. Whereas the electrostimulation is a longer treatment, so I have one hour in clinic, but mm -hmm. normally within three treatments, I get the results. Nice. So, let, so let's say I had a knot in, in my quad. How Would you insert the needle like right where the pain is or, you know, like a certain circumference around it? So the thing is, um, you guys have probably heard about dry needling technique. Uh, dry needling is... <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I'm like, nope. <laughs> that, that answer tells me no. Tell us more about it. <laughs> so dry needling is a technique now physiotherapists and some, I think uh, in some provinces and some places, uh, chiropractors are also trying to get the, the permission to use it. Um, it created a lot of debate because a lot of acupuncturists have been fighting against it because it should, uh, they're saying needles should have been a reserved act for acupuncturists. I'm not totally against it, but at the same time, I understand that we have more problems uh, having other people using the needle because dry needling is basically, like you said, the problem is in the hamstring or the quad. They needle exactly in the trigger point. So what that does, you know how this is your pain spot, you press on it, that's the point that it hurts. So basically, it hurts more. It's a treatment that hurts more. It uses one needle, and it's a big, thicker needle, and you stimulate. You keep kind of jabbing it in and out sometimes to try to get the, the spasm. That so can you imagine? Awful. Nobody loves a spasm, and you're trying to get a spasm. Some people react stronger than others. Some people love it. They like that little jumpy feeling, and then it releases after. It does release after, though. That's the thing. I'd okay. rather... So that's why I'm not against, like, sometimes physiotherapy therapist doing it because I've worked with physio and I've seen some of them they have good dexterity they've got the they know their muscles well they know how to palpate etc mm -hmm. it's like you know so if you insert it nice you can make it less painful for people but acupuncturists have trained three years with needles yeah a physio have trained only like a few months with needles right. okay so it says when you go to take a blood test do you want the nurse with like yeah, you, you know, don't. You don't necessarily you want, the want the trainee. <laughs> Poor trainee. Exactly, and I've had that. I got poked six times for God's sake. Oh like, no! You're like I could have done it myself. Okay, so how how deep is the needles going in a like a the electro stimulation? So it de it depends on the muscle group. So okay. on the chest and places where it's very bony, definitely it's not a big needle. Mm -hmm. But let's say in the calf, in the quads, for example, in the glutes. Oh my God, in the glutes. Yeah, because the muscle is thick, so you have to think the needle have to reach the center of the muscle somewhere oh around there to God. get the, the desired effect. But the thing is, that's it. No matter what's the length of the needle, you won't feel the length of the needle. You have no idea. The person's lying face down. They have no clue what length of needle I use. They just felt that initial prick, and the rest, sometimes you don't even feel it. That's true. A lot of times I'm putting needles, and then people say, like, are you putting it? Is it in yet? Is it it's like, you already have three needles in. <laughs> So sometimes just, it, it's the idea of it, yeah. but actually going through it is not as bad as, you know, like, you know, that, that misconception or people just like, they're so fearful of it. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, right. I'd rather they don't watch. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. And it seems, you know, acupuncture, I think it's, it's more popular now, but for a long time, I don't think pe a lot of people believed in it. Um, you know, are people more receptive to trying acupuncture now? Like, have you seen an evolution? Like, where, where is society at with acupuncture, I guess? It has actually, in, you know, it became more and more popular. So acupuncture, I think, appeared in North America in around the 70s. So it was still too new. It's existed 5,000 years in China. So it's mm -hmm. like fully implemented in the hospital, working in the hospital along with doctors and everything. But 
here no farmer says like, oh my God, it's esoteric and so on. But it's a language barrier and it's explanation barrier. So as if somebody explaining something in poetic terms, you listen to this like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> but yeah. at the end of yeah. the day, when you look at it, it's like, it's the same, there's as much research, there's as much um, facts and, and articles, but most of the best articles were in Chinese. So yeah, by the so- time they get translated and the research gets taken over by North Americans and rewritten in English, because of course here everything has to be retested. Yeah. That's why it took so long for things to start coming out. For sure. But the good news is like um, now in the hospitals here, we're starting to have more acupuncturists uh, setting up in a lot of hospitals. At Jewish hospital, there's a acupuncturist working in oncology. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was graduating, I did my my stage at the um, uh, Maison of Rosemont Hospital where there's acupuncturists set up in the pain clinic, which was awesome because trying to get people off opioids and uh, working on pain, you know, through um, naturally without any medication, you know, mm-hmm. it's uh, La Salle Hospital has acupuncturists working with um, pregnant uh, women with difficult pregnancies. Mm-hmm. So it's it's been setting up like slowly everywhere. Well, that's it. And it, I think that a lot of people don't realize that acupuncture can literally be used for anything like that. That cliche saying of like acupuncture works for everything. Well, it kind of does. The thing is, it, it, it's it's hits your nervous system and as we discussed earlier Mm -hmm. on the nervous system really is sort of the dictator for most of your physiology Mm -hmm. so it makes sense you know you're hitting sort of like you said the the main breaker of the system yeah and i think a lot of people weren't aware that there's different techniques to acupuncture a lot of people probably think uh like the very superficial needles Mm -hmm. um which you kind of attest to that we might do in a, you know, a short 15 minute bout between or right before, um, you know, for us going on the ice, like before you play, um, people aren't aware that you have sort of these longer sessions that really target um, a specific muscle and yeah. and really making it active. Now, do you think uh, like if someone is not like a elite athlete, do you think uh, there are some benefits to coming to do uh, acupuncture as far as like the electrical? Oh yes, yeah, definitely. Because to me, when people say some people are ashamed or shy to come to see me, because oh they see in my on the wall uh, in the clinic that pictures of athletes who's been in the clinic and they're like well i'm just a regular person (laughs) so (laughs) they have more stress (laughs) (laughs) exactly i said it's actually harder to work on you guys than it is to work on athletes (laughs) so the thing is i always tell people you still have the same nervous system you will have the same uh bone structures and you have the same muscles it's just athletes have more developed muscles but Otherwise, the system works the same. Yeah. yeah. So it ha- it makes no difference. It's just finding out what your specific problem and aiming for it. I'm curious about one thing. When you were talking about massage therapy, you were saying, you know, obviously, if somebody hasn't worked out in a long time, they're going to be sore for two days. That hasn't be, worked out in a while. It's been a while. Uh, <laughs> so speaking <laughs> on behalf of myself and everyone else who doesn't work out or who hasn't worked out in a while, what would you say is the best way to get back into it? Maybe not to avoid the two days of like soreness, but at least to avoid injury, because if your muscles are, are tight, you know, you could easily pull something if you are like just jogging or, or whatnot. Like, is there, you know, is it stre- stretching the solution like for a very long time before or what is it? No, usually if you plan, I always encourage people to move and I always tell people it's like it's knowing the rule, the, the, the nice base rule I like to use on everything, whether it comes to working out or whether it comes to rehab or anything else you do in life is you always to improve in life you always have to find to push beyond your comfort level right Mm -hmm. yeah so pushing beyond comfort level same thing with stretching or working out you have to push beyond your comfort if it's too comfortable you're not doing anything if you're in pain pain is a sign you've gone too far okay and we can't give the same recipe to each person because each person is different people have different body types people have different genetics you know so if you're somebody who's older, more stiff, and you have that kind of, you know, like you're one of these bulky, heavy type built person, don't start doing big cardio and be- go for a training for a marathon, yeah. you know, like it's like <laughs> baby steps. Fi- find your thing, just move, just move, but always, and don't start a workout with stretching, start a workout with warm up, it's more dynamic movement, right. warm up your body and then start. 
So same thing when working out. It's like when you start slow, it's like a warm up, and then you slowly build into it. Never. A lot of people get injured when they come to see us. Like, oh, I went to the gym. I started wanting to train. Somebody was lifting like hundred pounds next to me. I decided to do. Yeah. It. I was like, why the hell did you do the same? Yeah, at the gym you have to have tunnel vision. <laughs> Otherwise, you're gonna be like, I can do that too. Not yeah, don't just start deadlifting. Not three hundred pounds. And then they come limping. Yeah, yeah. I think exactly. so. So much of like the recurring themes we hear is that just trying to be in tune with your body Mm -hmm. and it can be very challenging like honestly I'm not great at it just I I ignore things or I just not I don't reflect I don't take the time to reflect on like how I'm feeling I just like go 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 through life and then I realize like I'm so knotted and it's it's like (laughs) it's bad and it's something I need to improve on but um you know knowing where your strengths like I know that I have like very flexible legs Mm -hmm. so generally I don't get like hamstring but like my upper body is not flexible so you know maybe I need to be focusing on those aspects so that I don't get a super knot Mm -hmm. and then have to come see you when it's already too late (laughs) and sometimes the advice I like to give to people if you're unsure and you don't know where to start because some people like they want to get active and start moving but they want to improve faster Sometimes I said, don't be afraid to come seek help. That's why we have athletic therapists. That's why we've got videos. Like, make a plan. Work with a, a trainer, a trainer like who has a back in uh, kinesiology, somebody who understands the body. Train at least one. It's like it's it's nothing bad to start your program with someone to teach you the basics and then train on your own. At least somebody has guided you through the first few steps. Yeah. When you get comfortable yeah. with that program. You can see the person every few months, you know? Yeah. And, and it's like, if you want to do it safely. And for some reason, like, people find that so difficult. But mm-hmm. it's like, if you're having, you know, you, you want to find out how to invest, you go to your bank, you find a financial planner. Like, yeah. every other aspect of life, it seems easy to ask health, but, or for help. But when it comes to your health, you're, for some reason, you're like, I'm just going to go for a jog. I'm just going to go yeah. run 10K and see what happens. I guess, you know, when you're jogging and or running around, you're like, oh, well, I used to do that when I was a kid. So it must be the same thing now, except when you're a kid, you <laughs> you have a lot more life. Things in have changed. <laughs> lot yeah, every decade, like in the, your 30s, you can't train the same way as you were when you were a teenager. And yeah. when you're in your 40s, it's different. 50s is different. Yeah. Yeah. You have to adjust every time. So how, since we're talking about age, how does that um, affect your practice? Obviously, the nervous system is kind of the same since you're a child to old age but do you approach like a an elderly person different than you know a young 14 year old athlete uh yes usually yes like the older you are your circulation a younger person has a much better circulation so usually the results is faster okay as you get old everything slows down even the treatment sometimes it takes more treatments to get where i want to be and uh older people it also depends we've had I have like 80-year-olds who come and they're super fit and they're more fit and actually respond better than a 40-year-old who's never exercised, for example. So exercise do maintain the body and it's proven. Exercise do keep us younger and keeps the body and the nervous system always firing up. So the the thing is, if you keep all of this alive, your body will always respond. That's why it, the reason we like to work with active people, not necessarily athletes, just people who like, who have a vision, who, who mm-hmm. wants to get better. Because then people who move more are usually responds better to all treatment. Yeah. Right. And the feedback they give us are better too. So it's fun. That's true. And this is why you worked out this morning. And Safia and I had coffee. (laughs) We drove to the studio. (laughs) But I'll work out later, don't worry. Yeah, got a coffee. You you guys can walk home after. Exactly. And I'm going to call you later and make an appointment. I need some treatment. (laughs) Yeah, I might stop by again. Uh, Julie, you were highly involved in hockey. Obviously, you were with Hockey Canada. Did you kind of you know, decide that you wanted to work with hockey players or, you know, how did it, how did it all, uh, you know, go down in that sense? Okay, so that was interesting. So I I did not grow up in Canada. I think if I grew up in Canada, maybe I would have been more involved in sports. So as a kid, I was never involved in any sports whatsoever, never hang out with athletes. Where did you like grow that. up? 
I grew up in Mauritius, which is a oh. an island off the east coast of Africa. Right. Okay. So it was kind of in the days when I was growing up, still a developing country. Mm-hmm. So there was nothing for girls. Girls sports didn't exist, of course, you know. And uh, but we were it's a tropical island, so we did walk a lot, and we we mm-hmm. let we had a healthy lifestyle. That means everything was organic. It's everything is fresh. We live by the sea, you know, like with a healthy lifestyle, but no no sports. So when I came to Canada and I was working with this, um, my mentor, like uh, who who taught me sports massage, what happened? Being the only one of the only sports massage therapists, I worked by his side and he trained me. So I actually got trained on Olympic athletes, which was amazing. I didn't realize it at the time, but you know how lucky I was that during my training and watching him work, I didn't realize that the people on the table was Caroline Ouellette and Kim Saint-Pierre. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Wow. Actually, you, you want to know a funny story, like when Caroline and, like, I knew they were athletes, I just didn't tell I'm like, oh, I knew they kind of played hockey, but you know, you don't pay attention. <laughs> kind of. Everybody who walked into the clinic were all jacked and like super fit. <laughs> so I... <laughs> I didn't pay attention to what sport, you know. I was yeah. just trying to learn. Everything is new to me. Yeah, yeah. So then at some point, I remember it was after the Olympics. And then I opened the newspaper and I see their picture. I'm like, oh, my God. I know <laughs> That's awesome. They're on my massage table last week. <laughs> You're like, I like, touched oh my them. God, I worked on them. <laughs> So it was like, oh, that's how I I started. Like, and I realized, like, even from back then when we were working, I started working with already fit people. So I never knew what it was like to work with unfit people. That's know? true. So, but this this actually led me to to kind of I started having a big admiration for that because where I grew up, women women were not fit. Women were housewives. Women didn't do anything, and you know, like it's a, a patriarchal society. Mm-hmm. So when I came here, I saw women who were strong and women who were fit I was like yeah you know like this is what I want to be this is where I want to be this is all the people I want to hang out with That's awesome. so that got me even more interested they were they were a lot my inspiration and Caroline was like a, a major factor in encouraging me to you're good at what you do I've had a lot of massage you're really good I'm like okay that built me up I'm like okay yeah because I, I lack confidence I was like an immigrant I just came massages I just switched from a whole entire career from design to massage so you know I was still kind of this shy naive girl and all I knew is like I want to do massage but that's it I was enjoying it but I didn't think of it as a future I was just doing it because I had fun doing it yeah and then you have people like Caroline who's like, no, no, you're amazing. You're amazing. You have it. You got it, you know? And then I'm like, okay, keep pursuing. And then as, as time went by, I'm like, uh, Caro eventually dragged me to uh, the Canadian. <laughs> dragged you. And, you know, she and brought the house of pain. <laughs> <laughs> and then from there on, you know, the rest, the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Caro is an incredible woman and, yeah. You know, having someone to just give you that confidence and, and advocate and, you know, tell you you're doing a good job it can mean so much. It so, can make all the difference. You know, that's yeah. just if if you see someone that has a talent or you're enjoying someone's sort of skill, you know, say it. Say yeah. you're doing a good job. Keep doing it because yeah. you never know what that, that can do. Like for you, it sounds like that really like set you off into this amazing career you now have. And, you know, you you have uh, your own atelier there. So um, it's incredible what the power of just encouragement can do. And visibility. You came, you saw high, strong women and, yeah. you know, that, that motivated you. It's, so it's really important to have sort of those um leaders yeah and having like you said it's all about that visibility and you can't go wrong with a compliment i think if you think something nice of a person it could be the the smallest compliment it could be something like oh i like what you're wearing or oh whatever it doesn't matter what it is you can't go real you can't go wrong with that and i think it People don't realize how far it can go, yeah. you know, how much impact it can have on a person's day or even just their future, as was the case with you. It's true. And it's like this world so much lacks positivity right now. So <laughs> it's even yeah. more important. Yeah. Exactly. 100%. So, Julie, we want to wrap up this episode. We wish we could keep talking to you for another hour. I feel like you have a lot of funny stories. And you know what? We'll be we'll be here to listen to them. But before we let you go, can you tell us more about Atelier Palestra, uh, what you guys do? And, you know, if people want to book an appointment, where can they find you? 
So Atene Palestra, we opened in October of last year, 2018. So it was basically the idea. Me, I've always wanted my dream after working with, you know, like with Hockey Can and all this, working in a team of medical staff. I've known how, I've seen how much impact it can do on a person's performance if everybody works together. So I've always wanted to work with other people. So then I approached Christina because Christina is actually the therapist with Wrestling Canada. And um, Christina, I've known her for like five years. We've been working, collaborating on, on athletes. So we, she's one of the few therapists originally that, you know, like when I said, uh, you call somebody, uh, another therapist to coordinate and they never answer you back. Christina was one of those who we coordinated our work and the, the clients saw the benefits and they, they complimented us on it. So I wanted to have someone like, I really want to work with an osteopath and an athletic therapist, you know, like, so we decided to join. And then when we joined, you know, all our friends, other therapists, it's a small world, all wanted to join us and we say, great, then we get a team. We want it to be a family and everybody who understands the concept, who understand what it means to work together, which is why we hired mostly people who, who work in the sports world or have been involved in those sports worlds because they understand the environment. So then we created this clinic where and we wanted to close the loop because it's good to treat people, they're not in pain, and then they go to the gym and they train and then they hurt themselves and they come back to us. We don't want it to be temporary. We want, to, it's, mm-hmm. we want it to be an education for them to get better for life, to be better, not just feel better. So we wanted to have a studio where we can also train them. And Christina also has a, a certification in Pilates. So she wanted to have the studio where she can, after she treat people, we get rid of their pain, we can teach them ourselves and supervise them to make sure that they actually know what they're doing after. It's a change for life. So then we close the loop. We have kinesiologists. We have um, uh, athletic therapists. We've got massage therapists. We've got uh, Pilates teachers, yoga teachers, and osteopathy and massage uh, acupuncture. Okay, wow. Yeah. That's like a, it's a holistic approach. Exactly. Basically. And it's, it's really yeah. a teamwork. Like, it, it's not, we're going to be honest with you. It's like, you don't need me. I'm going to send you to my colleague and we're going to discuss. We share the info so that the other one, what they do is a continuation of what I'm doing. It's not every time. You know how patients always have to retell their story. You go to see this clinic, you yeah. retell your story. You go to the other one, you retell the story. We didn't want right. this to happen. It's one, one ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so we when we open, so that's it. Um, now we have more therapists who have joined us. So then if people ever want to book, it's like we have our website. It's like uh, com, and people can just book online. Even our booking system is online. Perfect. And we have a Facebook page so you guys can find us on Facebook. Awesome. And we'll, we'll link all this in our episode so yeah. that people could find you. And I really encourage people to go see you guys, even if... Like me, you don't think you have a problem. You probably do. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's worth exploring. Like if you want to really, uh, either you're an athlete, and you want to bring your game to the next level. Um, this is definitely a part of your training that you should adhere to. If you're just an everyday person, you know, it's a part, like you said, it's a change for life and it's going to contribute to your overall health. And that's definitely worth the investment. Mm-hmm. The body is the one thing we, we live with the same body for the rest of our lives, so we have to take care of it. Yeah. All right, Julie. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. We had a really good time. We really appreciate all your insight, and we really appreciate all your work you do. Thank you, and thank you for having me on. That was fun. <laughs> we'll do it again sometime. I promise. Thanks a all lot, right. Julie. Thank take you. care. All right. Bye bye. Right. Bye. Bye. If you're someone who interacts with kids, you're probably familiar with moments of being asked questions you're just not equipped to answer. Whether it's the old favorite, where do babies come from, or the nuances of discrimination, Rad Child Podcast has your back. Each episode, your host, Seth Day, leads a discussion about topics like race, disability, loss, gender, sexuality, and so much more. Our goal is to give grown-ups the tools to talk to kids about almost anything. So come give a listen. Rad Child Podcast helping to raise a generation of open, compassionate, rad kids. Available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and just about anywhere else. We need to record a new ad for Up for Discussion. What should we tell people? Tell them we're an emotionally honest comedy podcast. Great! What does that mean? It means we're not afraid to get vulnerable, explore the human side of comedy, and try to become better people along the way. And we make poop jokes. So many poop jokes. With tons of awesome guests like Hank Green, Carrie Poppy, and Cecil Baldwin. Yeah, and poop jokes. The Up for Discussion podcast, available on the Upford Network and wherever fine podcasts are sold. 
So welcome back to the episode, Mel. That was a great talk with Julie. I'm just still shocked that she used to work in fashion. <laughs> I can't believe it. When she said that, I was like, whoa. I have so many up. more questions. I was like, she's a designer. What I did know. she do? I wanted to completely shift topics and be like, okay, tell us everything that you did. But hey, we only had a limited amount of time with her. Yeah. And we learned so much about acupuncture and massage therapy, debunk some misconceptions, especially with acupuncture, because I think, as we mentioned during the episode, there's just so much we don't know about it. Yeah. And a lot of people have two ideas that it's just needles and it's just you know acupuncture works for everything but no one really knows what that means yeah. and i think julie did a great job at explaining and also that. like some people just like they said like she said they'll come for one session and she said it takes sometimes you know three four five to see the results so you know i feel like a lot of this misconception is i went one time it didn't work well yeah. it's like a lot of things it's you know antibiotics you have to take for 10 days before you have the effects mm-hmm. so things take time and it's adhering and believing that it's going to work yeah um because uh i mean there's some credence to it it's used all around the world there's a ton of research supporting it yeah um it was a really good episode i really enjoyed and Julie is just really fun to talk Julie's to. Julie's just so fun. Like like we said, I feel like she has so many fun stories. Like I feel like we could do an entire episode where she's just telling us anecdotes about <laughs> times where she didn't realize she was treating like a big time athlete. <laughs> yeah. And then like see the <laughs> sees their photo in the paper. And yeah. Like, oh, I massage this person. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, she she has just a really good vibe to her. Yeah. Honestly, getting treated by her is a great experience. Atelier Paris mm-hmm. is amazing. You it's go in there, you, it feels very like family. Yeah. Um, so I encourage people if you're interested in massage therapy acupuncture she has athletic therapists as well yoga classes and check out montreal it's downtown montreal it's super accessible it's near uh guy concordia metro station like it's it's a great space check it out great people atelier palestra the upper network presents podcasting can change the world a panel a live panel featuring several of the Upfront Network's brightest podcasters exploring how this growing medium can be used for social change. How can a podcast actually make a difference? Join us for an evening of discussions as members of the Upfront Network delve into how they approach sensitive and significant topics on their shows. Featuring Jim Hughes, Canada's Young Leaders, Aaron Lakoff on Changing on the Fly, Tefer Ajimian, I'm so sorry, I hope I pronounced that properly, from Yap Podcast, and Seth Day, Rad Child Podcast. It's going to be moderated by Sruti Islam. Limited seats are available, remote attendance available for people out of town at a pay what you can rate. Tickets at the link in the description. Thanks for listening. If you liked the show, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher, and share this episode with a friend. It's the best way for the show to grow. Follow us on Twitter at LastStretchPod, at MelTheRock, and at Saffs underscore on the go. Our theme music is by James Blonde. You can find their music for sale at jamesblonde.ca. This show is produced and edited by Tom Zalatni for the Upford Network. Find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.